This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. Better late than never. On this Thursday, I'm James Erpine on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app. Wherever you get your podcast, including LockedOnBengals.com, where right now you can watch video if you've missed it. And it got a bunch of traffic, but if you've missed the, the airport fight where Adam Jones, well, he defended himself and he laid out the airport worker who tried to pick a fight with him. You can uh, check it out right now. That and so much more at LockedOnBengals.com. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with me now. Had the opportunity to talk with him earlier today on ESPN 1530. Uh, and we'll kick it to that conversation in just a second. I started the show when I was in for Mo Egger today on ESPN 1530. And I started by asking, what athlete would you not fight? What athlete would you say, no, 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 no? Because Adam Jones is definitely on my list. Like, there are people that you know are crazy, that you know are going to go to another level than you, uh, take it to that next level. Adam Jones is one of those people. Like, if, if, you, if you're in a fight and you're only willing to go to, let's say, level 7, but the person you're fighting is going to level 22 or is willing to go there, you don't want to fight him because you're going to lose. And that's what this airport worker did. He went in, he threw a punch, he thought it would be over and he could just get one on Pac-Man, and he paid for it. And uh, I started off by asking Joe if there was one athlete out there that comes to mind that there's no chance in hell he would want to fight. Here was his answer. I don't want to fight any of them. This is my first. <laughs> I first thought you, but you know what I did think? I thought when I saw you post this question on Twitter, I was like, any female athlete I think could beat me up, and I don't want that to happen <laughs> in my life. So I, uh, you can pretty much name any female, and I'd be like, I don't. Number one, I don't want to fight a female. Number two, like, she would probably beat me up. That's fair. That, yeah, that's that's a good call actually because. Yes, I agree. All right, so any that that makes a lot of sense, and you would probably lose. I would too, by the way. That's just that that's something that I don't think a lot of men would realize either. That if that happened, they they would get beat up. Right, that's like a double loss. You know, not only are you losing the fight, but you're losing your pride too. Yep, he's Joe Goodberry of the Athletic. He doesn't want to lose his pride, so please don't send any women to beat him up. Uh, let's start with with the Bengals. Two weeks away, training camp. What are your a bit, let's start with concerns. Let's start negative. Why not? What are your biggest concerns, worries about the 2018 Bengals? It's going to be the same concerns we've had for the last two years, and it's a combination of are the weapons healthy and can they help Andy Dalton in this passing offense, and can the offensive line give them time to actually use the weapons that, are, that should be healthy? Uh, for me, I think we've talked about this for two years now. We're still in the same situation, although they've added talent. They, they've added upgraded players at some positions. Um, left tackle this year with Cordy Glenn, center with Billy Price, wide receivers last year. You kind of feel like you still don't know if it's going to translate on the field. And if it does, it's the difference between this team probably winning maybe nine or ten games with this team that could probably win six or seven games. So it's hard to know in camp in preseason because a lot of times things always look good, or the stories are at least are, are always positive. But on the negative side, those questions remain and could derail this this season and this offense again. How concerned or not concerned and, and refreshed and what, what really? Uh, let me rephrase that. How are you feeling about the new coaches that have been put in place? Is it refreshing? Is it a, a negative feeling of well, Marvin's still here? How do you feel about the changes they have made? from a coaching perspective this offseason? 
Right. Marvin is still here, and I think with Marvin, the rest of the team goes. They've had different offensive coordinators. They've had different defensive coordinators. And through Marvin's tenure, they pretty much ran a lot of the same things or had the same principles or the same ideas about how they want to operate on offense and defense, how they want to control the game, how they want to be a defensive team and still lean on the run at times. Uh, it doesn't matter who the coordinator was. But having said that, you do see when you watch film and you watch players and try to try to evaluate how they're playing, you do see instances where, for example, the offensive line play, I think, was suffering under Paul Alexander, and you bring in Frank Pollock, who was let go by the Cowboys, but at the same time, I feel like it, it's going to be a change of philosophy, uh, a different voice in there, and, and a different system on the offensive line play. It should be a huge upgrade, and I think it's probably the biggest upgrade they could do this year. They have talent. They they did draft Cedric Abwehi and Jake Fisher. They've been underwhelming. But you bring in a new coach, you kind of get a new chance with those two guys. And if one of them pans out, the offensive line can take a step forward. Um, Bill Lazor, they retain him. Full year for him to build this offensive system. Last time we've seen Bill Lazor in a full offensive coordinator uh, system where he can build his offense with the Dolphins, it was a successful unit uh, for the most part until that second year where they went a different direction. But on defense, Terrell Austin's had a lot of success. And not elite defense with the Lions or anything like that, but a difference in philosophy, especially for more man coverage, um, helping out the linebackers, getting better play out of your safeties. I think I would agree that those three things are, are issues with under Paul Gunther and Mike Zimmer, even though Mike Zimmer was a great defensive coordinator. They still got beat by, by tight ends and running backs. Um, the coverage unit at linebacker and safety and, and getting big plays out of your safety has been an issue under Paul Gunther. So getting Terrell Austin in here and changing that up on defense could really bring positive change in, in that sense. Now, I don't think he's a great coordinator in terms of um, there's no issues. I think even with the best defensive coordinators are going to be exploited in today's NFL, uh, especially for they're going to play more wide nine, um, which you're going to kick out your edge rushers and, and hopefully create more pass rushing lanes inside outside, but it's going to hurt you against the run. I think that works in today's NFL. It'll be interesting to see if the Bengals, um, the positives that you get that I think in the middle of the defense and coverage will outweigh some of the negatives you may have in the run game. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. He's on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Let's uh, let's discuss just some some things that you're feeling good about going into this year. I would say that at least the offensive line has an upgraded talent wise. But as far as like positive things outside of uh, the casual stuff, where you know Andy's healthy, AJ Green, et cetera, what are you excited about going into training camp? I think Joe Mixon could change his offense um, going into year two. He's dropped weight. Uh, he's twenty two years old now. He should be, could be the face of this offense. And if it's not this year or the next year, but it's in his future, I think if, if he pans out the way we expect, uh, if he takes that next step, this offense is going to be completely different. And I, I would say the same with uh, John Ross. If he is healthy and if he can help, this offense is a completely different team. Uh, I, you hope Tyler Eifert can be ready for camp and be healthy. And if he is, Again, adds another premium talent and premium weapon to a strong tight end group that maybe they don't have to play him for 800, 900 snaps a year. Maybe just use Eifert in a way to keep him healthier, and he plays maybe 500 snaps, and you allow C.J. Uzama and Tyler Cross to take more uh, of a share of that pie, and it makes the team better for it. So weapons-wise, I think the Bengals potentially can be as good as anybody. Mm -hmm. um, it's just you know whether or not it all pans out. 
defensively, I think the defensive line is deep. I think you have a lot of young guys that are ready to either emerge or explode into cornerstone players, whether that's Carl Lawson or, or Jordan Willis. I even like the defensive tackles and Ryan Glasgow and Andrew Billings, even though they had up and down first years, I'll call it last year for Billings because of the first year plan. Um, I think in year two, year three of, of for defensive tackles is when those guys emerge into who they're going to be. And if one of them steps up, this, this defensive line is deep, uh, not only on the edge, but inside. So there is a lot of positives. I think they've added speed and athleticism at linebacker, whether it pans out or whether they can figure out which three are the best three to play um, is, is a camp story. But, uh, I do think they've gotten more athletic in the middle of their, of their defense. Uh, and adding Jesse Bates at safety, um, I think their safety unit could potentially be upgraded there if he finds a way on the field, whether that's this year or next year. But at corner now, William Jackson, second year really of, of playing after missing his rookie year. I, you know me, James. I, I'm, I couldn't be any higher on him when they drafted him. I think if he is that elite shutdown guy, which I do believe he can be, um, that changes your defense. There's yeah. not many guys like that in the league, and when you get one, offenses just don't go that way with the ball. And you really now have half the half the field to work with, half the field to defend. And if that's the case, um, this defensive unit could really be the one that carries this team uh, and carries the issues that they have offensively. Uh, defensively, I think they could be really, really good. They have to survive the, the suspension of Vontaze Bursick again, but I think now they're more equipped to do that at linebacker. Yeah, we're talking with Joe Goodberry of the Athletic. I'm I'm with you. Is this fair to say? Is it because I look at this roster, and I've been as critical as anyone about Andy Dalton and his play at times. Uh, I know John Ross. I'm as high on him as anyone. That being said, there's certainly some concerns going into a year or two that this team, if they're going to get to ten wins, eleven wins, that it needs to be a defense, a focus on the defense, and then focus on the running game, and just let those two things carry them let those two things be their strengths that's not saying not get the ball to aj green or john ross or eifert or any of those guys but to have a, an established reliable running game and then a defense that can shut down and put games away when they need to i look at last year some teams that made the leap a new orleans they certainly had a running back by committee that they certainly relied on a lot and their defense upgraded and was better than it had been in, in past years that's kind of the blueprint I think that this Bengals team needs to look at is defense, running game, and then let the passing game and everything else follow suit. And using your running backs in their strengths. Uh, the Bengals have struggled to use not just the, the number one guy where he, where he succeeds, but the mixing in the number two guy at the right time. Getting the number three guy snaps. They spent a fourth-round pick on Mark Walton. You know, the guy can help the team if you're spending a fourth-round pick on him. So, you know, using them, and I think they all complement each other for the first time in a long time, where Nixon and Geo should be able to run the same plays and you don't have to swap them in and out because of formation or personnel package the way they had to do before when it was Benson and Ben Jarvis Green Ellis and Jeremy Hill as uh, your lead bell cow back. I think they don't have to do that. But when you say running game two, the passing game to your running backs is an extension of that. And you, you mentioned the Saints. Those guys are catching 50 balls, both of them. You know, they're getting, mm -hmm. they're, they're, the Saints throw their running backs more than anyone else in the league. Um, the Chiefs throw their running backs a lot. The, the, the Eagles throw their running backs. These are good offenses around the league. You have to find a way to get the ball to your playmaker in space. And that's for the Bengals. Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon could carry this team, especially if the offensive line and receivers are struggling to help out A.J. Green. Uh, yes, you may have to lean on them. You may have to lean on them often. How many times are we maybe, through the first quarter or, or the first half of a, of a Bengals game, and we say, 
Yeah, it's just you got bad Andy today, or you got average Andy today. <laughs> oh, and every you game you need that running game. <laughs> well, there's, there's at least half of those games you feel that way, at least. Yeah. And you say, if they could lean on the running game, they can pull, pull this game through. So that's why I think it's important to make sure they have that and make sure they can lean on it. I don't think they're a run first team based on. Dalton's strengths, based on the weapons that you have on out, on the outside, it doesn't mean you can't run an effective run game out of like a spread offense or a shotgun offense. You see the Patriots do it. You see you see the Eagles do it. You see the Chiefs do it. And um, so I think you know it may look different than what pe- traditional football fans may think of of a running game. But yes, I think relying on your running backs. Um, could pull them out of a lot of games where the defense is really playing hard or playing tough, and, and I think they will for most of the season, and maybe your quarterback is struggling. So I think that's key in those handful of games a year. Joe Goodberry covers the Bengals for the Athletic. Joe, training camp's two weeks away. I'm going to be down there. Fans obviously are always paying attention to the, the dark horse to, to make the roster or the, the seventh-round pick, the undrafted free agent, a guy that could push to make the roster – uh, and just have success in the preseason. Name a guy or two for us that you have your eye on, that you're going to be paying attention to, and you think has a chance to impress and surprise a lot of people. I think the, the depth at corner is really up in the air. And I, I think a, a, whether it's Kavari Russell or Tony McRae or the, the draft pick they spent this year with Devontae Harris and uh, Darius Phillips. And Phillips is a guy that I really, really like out of Western Michigan. He's a guy who scored 14 touchdowns as a corner. Um, because he has return skills, and not only from interceptions, but uh, as kick returner and punt returner, I think he can make noise in the preseason. I think he's a guy that, if he gets on the field and if he looks comfortable right away, could say, hey, I'm the fourth guy on the on the cornerback roster, and that guy plays a lot in today's NFL. Uh, guys go down injured, injured in front of him, he's going to play. So that fourth and fifth spot on, on the corner depth chart for me is uh, one of the ones where I feel like they have maybe four guys that have looked good in, in preseasons or in other limited opportunities, or they just drafted them. And I think the the Harris pick and the Phillips pick are two of my favorite picks, especially for day three choices. Um, I'm excited to see those guys, and I think one of them, if they make an impact, can make you feel a lot better about this this cornerback depth chart behind the, your, your top three starters. Joe has a top 50 countdown that he's doing right now for the Athletic. Where are you at in your countdown, and uh, when's the next part come out? Top 30, and I hope it's uh, published tomorrow, if not, or probably Saturday. But those top 30 guys now, we're, we're getting in solid contributors, if not starters. And uh, this is really the meat of the team, and, and these are guys you need to rely on. And, and some of them have a lot of question marks. Coming up is going to be Jake Fisher, and I think if, if he's healthy and ready to go at right tackle, I, I think he could be a big boost to this entire offensive line. But again, we're here questioning health and wondering if he's ready to go this year. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, I appreciate the time as always, man. Let's talk soon. Thanks, man. Good stuff there from Joe Goodberry. Again, he joined me earlier today on ESPN 1530. And uh, you could follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. We'll do more of an in-depth. Uh, we can go longer uh, when I have him on the podcast exclusively. Uh, we, we can do that next week. And we will do that next week. Training camp, by the way, two weeks away. That's one, two, two weeks away. I can't wait. This is the spot for all things Bengals training camp coverage. Make sure you keep it locked right here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. If you know a Bengals fan that isn't subscribed to the podcast, you can let them know. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else, anywhere else I'm not even naming, it's there as well. Spotify, 
Also, LockedOnBengals.com. There's going to be videos there, articles, exclusive player one-on-ones, videos. So make sure you keep it. Bookmark it. Do whatever you need to do because in two weeks when training camp takes off, so are we, and you don't want to miss it. I'm James Erpine. Tomorrow on the show, Jeff Hobson. Bengals.com will join me. We will talk all things Bengals. I want to ask him what he would say to the naysayers. All these national pundits in Vegas and all these people not buying into the Bengals. That'll be on tomorrow's show. Until then, I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night. This has been the Locked on Bengals podcast.